0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another galaxy-spanning edition of Pop Cultish, the podcast that was once asked by Captain Kirk what the best way to stop the flow of a river was, and all we could say was, damn it, Jim. Tony Schaub here hanging out with you. I am flying solo today, and uh, we've got a fun little topic of conversation to chat with you about today. It's a big one, being 2016, Uh, it is the 50th anniversary this year of one of my favorite experiences sci-fi franchises of all times star trek that's right star trek turns 50 years old this year it debuted back on cbs in a 1966 67 season i believe and here we are 50 years later and it's still going strong it's had uh, five television shows different series six if you count the animated series which i do so let's say six uh six different series we are on i think uh, 12 feature films with a 13th coming our way this year and uh, on that topic of course there's a lot of cool things going on with Star Trek this year in celebration of its 50th anniversary so I figured we'd take some time today to jump in chat about all that fun stuff and uh, and just kind of talk about the franchise where it's been where it's going all sorts of fun stuff there so where to begin where to begin well we'll do a quick little recap I guess for those of you who aren't Intimately familiar with Star Trek. Uh, Now I've uh, been watching it for a while growing up, you know, I believe the uh, next generation Star Trek, the next generation was on TV when I was growing up, which is the second series that existed in the Star Trek uh, umbrella franchise. The first one, of course, came out in the late 60s and ran for three seasons. On CBS before it was canceled due to uh, due to poor ratings. But uh, the cool thing about Star Trek, really, when it started back in the 60s, is that it was a groundbreaking show for a, a variety of reasons. Obviously, there had been a lot of space operas before that. You know, there was a lot of different shows that handled space exploration and uh, all the kind of themes that went along with that. But there were, in my opinion, there were there were two different things that Star Trek did. That not a lot of other shows or science fiction experiences were giving audiences at that point. The first was the way that the the presentation of the plot was set up. Is that you know most science fiction shows followed a pretty formulaic formula. You know whether you're looking at the uh, B movies of the 1950s and 40s, um, or if you're looking at those uh, serialized television shows, radio shows, things like that you know there was usually the the brave crew of a of a ship and they would uh, every week you know have a different bad guy or you know villain or alien evil alien race to fight and at the end of the at the end of the episode or the end of the storyline they would obviously defeat the bad guy restore peace to the galaxy save a planet save the damsel in distress whatever it may be and then the next week was pretty much the same formula repeated it was always beat the bad guys save People, which is okay. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that, of course. Uh, and and certainly this is not indicative of all science fiction. There was a lot of science fiction out there that, that was doing different things. But if you're looking at a general uh, approach that most science fiction was taking at the time, that's it. Beat the bad guy. Be heroes. Repeat ad nauseum. Star Trek, uh, while they certainly had some of this element in it, uh, was also really adept at pushing the exploration of space and the um, thinking about uh, new themes and new ideas and new questions that could be posed by meeting, uh, as the show would say, new life forms and new civilizations. So uh, certainly there were, you know, like I said, bad guys. There were there were people to to beat up. Whether it was the uh, classic villains of the uh, the alien races, like the Klingons or the Romulans, or whether it was um, you know villains that would appear. Uh, one week, and and be dispatched. uh, Over that, of course, there was this overarching sense of exploration. You would meet new aliens and new civilizations on a weekly basis. And that was kind of the fun of the show, was to kind of get that feel of, yes, this is uh, something new and different every week. It's not going to be oh gosh, here comes here comes these guys again. Gosh, you know this week they beat the Klingons. I bet they'll have to fight another Klingon next week. Th- there was this sense of adventure, and there were you know fairly big, important questions raised in the original series. One one episode in particular that, that sticks out in my mind is uh, they they ventured to a planet that was pretty desolate. It was clear that it had been. Uh, uh, a long-standing war had been fought, and, and the planet had been ravaged. And I believe they were down to their final couple of people uh, fighting, still fighting the war. Maybe even just, just, just one one man fighting another man. And the, the whole premise of their disagreement, the, the war that had essentially destroyed their entire civilization, was that uh, one of the gentlemen that the crew met was... Um, Color split split down the middle in color uh, a line right down the face right down the body half of the body was black half the body was white so literally kind of a, uh, a straight up yin and yang type of approach but the one member of this race that the crew met was black on his left side and white on his right whereas the other gentleman that they met when they finally met his opponent was white on the left side and black on the right so they were they, they they were colored even though they were the exact same colors the two colors they were colored on the opposite sides and quite frankly that was what had led to the destruction of their civilization was that they they saw that as a difference that they could not overcome when in reality it was simply just the random pigmentation of their skin and that obviously speaks a lot of parallels to our civilization in terms of things that we fight over race and religion and a lot of these things that that we perceive to be a big deal but in reality uh, are, are not necessarily that big of an issue so that's definitely um, a little Twilight Zone-ish but that's uh those are the kind of questions that the classic Star Trek series uh, tried to tackle um, and, and you know it wasn't just Shoot 'em up space opera. There was there was bigger stuff involved, and I think uh, that resonated well with a lot of um, the the viewers. And of course, that feel for exploration and you know talking about bigger plot points spilled over not just from the original series but into Star Trek: The Next Generation, which was the next series that came down the line in the 80s. took place uh, roughly about 100 years after the original, so it allowed um, the creators and the showrunners to show a little bit more advanced technology to kind of catch up with the times and also have a different take on a familiar setting. Uh, So the next generation ran for a long time. This is where people obviously know a lot of the characters. They know a lot of the classic characters too. If you say Captain Kirk and Spock and Scotty, obviously these are names that resonate with even the average pop culture fan Uh, and the next generation has that same thing going. You've got Captain Picard, Data the android, uh, Worf the Klingon, you know, you have a lot of these people who are are kind of universally known uh, household type names. So, um, after the Next Generation, of course, uh, they they were on the air for a while, and after they went off the air, there came uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and this is where Star Trek started to veer into a little bit of different territory in terms of the stories they were telling, a little a little bit more focused, and this is kind of where Star Trek began to, uh, uh, in in my opinion, anyways, fall out of the public eye in, in in the realm of television, and kind of move into their motion picture. Establishment, which they had already been doing for a long time. Um, we'll get back to the motion pictures here in a second, but uh, yeah, the the third series, uh, again, technically the fourth series. Technically, the next generation was the third series. Uh, squeezed in between the next generation and the original series is... Um, the animated series there was an animated series in the 70s where they brought back all of the original voice cast from the classic series and they had further adventures uh, in a cartoon form and it's kind of a source of debate on whether the cartoon is considered quote-unquote official canon or not um i personally think it is i i think they did some really cool stories there but uh, but again that's kind of a source of a source of open debate there so so yeah, getting back on track with the, with the live-action television series, after The Next Generation came Deep Space Nine, as we mentioned. That takes place all on a space station called Deep Space Nine, where the other, the other series had taken place on starships, free to roam around the galaxy. Deep Space Nine took place on a space station and uh, dealt with a lot of kind of metaphysical and religious themes through some of the aliens that lived on the space station there. Uh, after Deep Space Nine came Star Trek Voyager, Voyager went back to the starship exploration, and not only regular exploration, as it took place in the same time frame as Deep Space Nine and the Next Generation, but the premise of that series was that Star Trek Voyager, uh, Voyager was the name of the ship on the show, and it was accidentally flung halfway across the universe and ended up thousands, billions of light years. From where they were supposed to be, with really no way to get back home. So uh, faced with about a 300-year journey to get back home, um, the series *Star Trek: Voyager* follows the journey home of the spaceship Voyager. So uh, very intriguing show. Uh, they they brought up some very different questions, and being so isolated from what the show had done before and what the characters knew, uh, kind of forced. The show to, to to put themselves in some unique situations and answer some interesting questions. So I thought it was a I thought it was a very fun show, Star Trek Voyager, and then the last Star Trek series that had been on TV to date uh, was called Enterprise. And Enterprise was actually a prequel. It took place before, chronologically in the Star Trek universe. It took place before everything, hundreds of years before the original series. This was the formation of the United Federation of Planets. Essentially, it showed when humans first kind of took their steps out into the stars and uh the 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 original starship enterprise uh, that the show is is named on and based around was the first spaceship that essentially human beings had and that was just kind of them out there exploring and you gotta you know you got to watch them meet uh some of the classic villains and some of the other species you know they met the vulcans and they met the klingons and all this stuff so um So once Enterprise went off the air, though, that was the end of Star Trek's experience on TV uh, to date. We'll talk a little bit more about what the future holds here uh, in in just a few minutes. But um, running concurrently with the TV series, there has also been a series of motion pictures. Now the motion pictures started back in the 70s after the original series went off the air. But before the next generation came back to television, and the first six films in the um, in in, in the cinematic version of the franchise dealt with the crew and the themes from the original series, so Kirk and company, Spock, McCoy, Scotty, all those people there. So uh, started with the aptly titled Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Um, You know, a, a, a very very interesting piece of. Space opera fiction from that late 70s, early 80s age. That's where, you know, there were some heavy hitting science fiction stuff coming out at that point. Um, you had sci fi horror stuff like Alien. You had uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey, that had happened not too far before. So it was a very intriguing time for science fiction in films at that time. Uh, I'm excited, actually. I get to join. Um, the cast of another podcast called The Real Comic Heroes Podcast, and uh, every episode they delve into a different movie and, and talk about it in depth, and here in a few weeks I uh, get the chance to uh, to record with them about Star Trek The Motion Picture, so I'm very excited to, to talk more in depth about this particular movie, but this was the beginning of the Star Trek franchise in, in film form. Uh, it was followed by Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, which came out uh, in, uh, just a few years later, in the early '80s, '82, uh, they were spacing these movies out about every two to three years. At that point, it was a legitimate franchise. They were they were planned. They were routine. Uh, everything was going well. Um, the motion picture was 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 excellent. Star Trek II: uh, The Wrath of Khan is largely regarded by the fans to be the best film of the entire Star Trek series. Uh, following that was Star Trek III: The Search for Spock, that came out uh, in in the mid '80s, '84. And then a couple years later, 1986, was Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Um, again, regarded by fans to be one of the best. Uh, a very entertaining. Definitely had a... This one had a lighter tone than most of the other. I mean, there, there's always bits of humor here and there, but but The Voyage Home was definitely a very... It was, was as close to a, a comedy as, you, as you're going to get out of Star Trek. Uh, 1989 saw Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. And then the original series got... Uh, Got the the original series kind of got to put a, a cap on it with Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, which came out in 1991. Um, again, well well loved by the fans uh, with with absolute reason. Uh, a phenomenal film, a very fitting send off for the original series. And this again was planned. This is uh you know as they were working on these movies, they knew that it was time to kind of hand the reins over. By this time in 1991, the next generation... Series was already on TV. Things were moving smoothly in that direction. It was it, it was being very well received, and I think the the powers that be knew that um, the next generation crew was probably next in line to to assume the role of the uh, film franchise. So, uh, Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country was a just a, a really excellent send off. Uh, very touching, very emotional, and um, uh, I still think, in my personal opinion, one of the best examples of how to Definitively end a film series uh, with uh, with regards to storyline and just the, the respect for the actors and the characters and the fans. Um, so so that was the the end. the The first six films kind of brought an end to the original series versions of the films. They were followed by The Next Generation films, films that featured specifically the cast from Star Trek The Next Generation. There were four of these films. Um, None of these films, unfortunately, really uh, ever resonated as well with fans as the original six films films did and uh, as a result these four films kind of brought a temporary close to the Star Trek uh, film franchise series there were no films about deep space 9 voyager enterprise things like that so the four next generation films kind of kind of brought an end to that chapter of the of of, of the Star Trek series It started out in 1994 with Star Trek Generations, which was a little bit of a passing the torch. It featured a few characters from the classic series and then, of course, heavily dealt with the characters from Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, Following that, in 1996, was Star Trek First Contact, which I I, I believe is uh, usually universally regarded as the best of the Next Generation films. It was a very fun, time-traveling story that allowed... The crew from the next generation to, to come back to pre-interstellar travel earth and kind of have some fun with that. Uh, 1998 saw the release of Star Trek Insurrection, which wasn't necessarily a bad movie, but there was nothing really exciting about it. It really didn't do anything for the franchise big. It didn't really uh, explore any new themes or open any new doors. And then um, in 2002 star trek nemesis came out and that was uh not a great movie uh <laughs> to put it lightly uh that was clearly kind of the the death knell of the film franchise at that point um it just it, it was it was unoriginal it was very blasé um it felt like bringing this all the way back to the beginning of our conversation it felt like it followed the stereotypes and the tropes that other science fiction things were doing back in the 60s that made Star Trek so different to begin with, whereas Star Trek was so innovative and forward-thinking, now it had moved all the way full circle to when Star Trek Nemesis came out. It was literally just, oh, there's a new bad guy. Let's go defeat them and save the galaxy, and, you know, maybe we do that again next time. You know, Insurrection kind of felt that way, too, where the crew just had to face a, a bad guy that was created out of thin air and they had to defeat them and it seemed like it would be impossible odds to do so and they did defeat them and everything was fine and then Nemesis rolls around and it's the exact same thing so we had two movies in a row that just kind of rehashed everything and, and like I said that that just kind of spelled the end for Star Trek at that point so um, there, was a, there was a brief uh, interlude of about seven years where there was no Star Trek uh, in theaters Nothing was really going on, and then in 2009, um, J.J. Abrams, who is uh, very famous for obviously a variety of things, he was the creator of of Lost. He's currently got the helm of uh, the Star Wars franchise as well, but he was able to uh, reboot the Star Trek cinematic line, if you will, with a with a movie just called. Star Trek. So uh, that one came out in 2009. Uh, it was met with with pretty good acclaim, and that uh, obviously launched them into another um, uh, another franchise film series, if you will. There was uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, which came after that, and that was met with some some mixed reactions from people. That movie tried to rehash the lines from the second original Star Trek movie, Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan. And, it, it, again, once again, it felt like it was falling into the trap of just giving the characters something to do. A new bad guy to fight to save the universe. And, again, they'll be up against some possible odds. Somehow they'll do it. And then once they do it, it's all good. Everything's fine until the next movie comes out and they have another bad guy to fight. So uh, we haven't reached that point yet. We've got This Summer is the next installment. In the star trek rebooted film series this one is called star trek beyond and i believe that the powers that be who are taking care of this are working very hard to avoid that vibe of just just once again rehashing oh my gosh there's you know an, a new threat we've got to kill them got to save not only save the universe really but save earth it's everything's been very earth-centric recently uh, in 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 the first star trek reboot the Romulans were out to destroy the Earth, uh, and of course, uh, it was up to the crew to stop them. And then in Star Trek Into Darkness, there was a, a an evil alien who was hell-bent again on destroying Earth. You know, it's a big galaxy out there. A lot of people have it out for Earth for some reason. But uh, supposedly, what I've heard of Star Trek Beyond is going to take that in a, in a different direction. They're going to be uh, really focusing on what made the original series great the the five-year mission of exploration and that's um apparently what what's going to be going on the the ship and its crew are going to be out in space in uncharted territory meeting new aliens having new adventures and so that's kind of where the the big difference is going to lie in this film as opposed to the previous film so um, what we've heard so far about the film has uh, has been some interesting stuff. They've they've tried to keep things under wraps. We do know that they are meeting um, a lot of new aliens and of course there is going to be some conflict but uh, a lot of the particulars have stayed under wraps. There are a new, there is a new, at least one if not multiple new starships that will be involved as well. Um, some news recently came that uh, in addition to the USS Enterprise and their crew, we're going to be seeing the USS Franklin. And uh, so there will be other ships and other, uh, other aspects there that could come into play, which would, be, which would be very entertaining. So so we'll have to see what, the, what happens with that. That's coming out uh, this year. That's coming out this summer. Which, of course, makes sense to have a new Star Trek film come out this year with it being... The fiftieth anniversary and everything, so so that uh, that's that's the big to do this year. Not only with the film, but the other big piece of Star Trek news this year is that there is a brand new Star Trek TV series coming our way this fall, and this will be the first time in a long time. I mean, Star Trek um, Star Trek Enterprise went off the air. Gosh, it's it's been at least a decade, if not uh, if not longer, since since Enterprise has, has gone off the air. So uh, we've gone a long time without a new series of uh, uh, Star Trek on television. But uh, this year we are getting one. Uh, CBS, who has long owned the rights to the Star Trek TV franchises, uh, has made an interesting decision with this new series. Uh, allegedly, um, this is from, from from all reports so far, it's going to be the the series is not going to show on the CBS National Channel, but instead is going to show exclusively on CBS's streaming application called CBS All Access. Uh, this obviously is uh, something that's a, a little bit of a head-scratcher, as obviously you, you would think that you'd want this show to be exposed to as much of an audience as possible. But at the same time, a lot of streaming services are showing that things like this can be done effectively. Uh, you think about Netflix with their Marvel properties like Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Uh, even Amazon Prime has gotten into the streaming recently with uh, entries like The Man in the High Castle and uh, Stephen King's 112263. Um, so these things are happening more and more. So it sounds like CBS is ready to kind of get into the fray with that. So. Um, not much is known about the series. It's believed that the TV series is going to exist in the realm of the original TV franchises, the classic series, the next generation, things like that. It will not be set in the universe of the of the of, of the reboot, if you will. Um, so far they've they've got the right people behind it to help. Um, there are some writers that have worked on the original series and and the film franchises, uh, most notably among them is uh, Nicholas Meyer who helped uh, write many of the, he did a lot of writing and production for many of the very well acclaimed uh, original series films, uh, Wrath of Khan, Voyage Home specifically. So uh, there's also uh, Brian Fuller is co-producing. Uh, he's, a, he's a big uh, longtime CBS guy who's, who's helped with a lot of other big-name CBS shows. And uh, just recently, they've announced that um, the creator of Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry, has, has since, of course, passed away. But his son, uh, uh, Eugene, or he goes by Rod Roddenberry, is on uh, with the show as well to kind of help with, with that. So should be interesting to see how this goes because, uh, again, we don't know much about it. It is slated to, uh, I believe, they want to have it premiere sometime this year because it is the, you know, being the 50th anniversary, they, they want to make it big this year. Um, so we'll see how it goes. There was, for a while, over the last few years, there had been rumors, um, a lot of rumors driven by some of the cast members themselves, that there was going to be a new show revolving around one of the characters from Star Trek The Next Generation, Um, played by Michael Dorn it was Worf. Uh, Worf was originally the tactical officer uh, on the Enterprise in the next generation and then was fortuitously transferred to Deep Space Nine the space station just in time for the Deep Space Nine TV show so he gave a little bit of continuity from show to show there and at the end of that series he was actually the captain of a starship that was assigned to the space station, the USS Defiant. So uh, for a while there had been talks that, that there would be a new series uh, surrounding Captain Worf, and, and of course Michael Dorn was promoting that as well, because um, I'm sure he would like the job security of having a new show like that. So, But uh, nothing. Uh, apparently nothing has officially come out of that, and that it, uh, appears to be more of a wishful thinking than anything else. But... But that's where it is right now. Uh, again, there's um, the new series, uh, hopefully, should should be, um, should be coming our way sooner rather than later. We will probably start to hear a lot more about it um, if it doesn't premiere this year. We'll be hearing a lot more about it uh, at the end of this year. Every year in August, there is a quite large Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. And this year being the 50th anniversary, uh, I imagine they're going to pull out all the stops for that one. So... Uh, I mean, this is the convention that that pulls everybody. I mean, you got uh, you know Captain Kirk, William Shatner is there, uh, Patrick Stewart, Captain Picard. I mean, really, pretty much anybody who's who has played in Star Trek is usually at these conventions um, to kind of connect with the fans and you know have the have those experiences. So, so it should be fun to see that. Uh, one interesting side note about the new series is that I think now that CBS has put a focus on. Having a new Star Trek television show, they have started to crack down a little bit on some of the. Online fan productions. There's been a few uh, fan series. One is called uh, Star Trek New Voyages. Um, there's another one that was about to be, uh, about to start production. I actually think they went on Kickstarter and raised over a million dollars, called Star Trek Axanar. And now CBS has sent them a cease and desist letter with uh, with threats of a um, lawsuit uh, because essentially they are claiming that you know Star Trek is their intellectual property. So it'll be interesting to see how that stuff plays out as uh, CBS and and as Star Trek continues to grow as a franchise. I think for a long time CBS kind of just turned a blind eye to that, probably because they didn't really have anything better going on. They didn't have any other shows that they were necessarily competing with, uh, and their focus since 2009 has been to promote the rebooted Star Trek film series, and that was so different than the original Star Trek property that I just don't think that anybody cared that there were these fan films out here kind of building upon the lore of the original series and that universe. So, um, nothing uh, to my knowledge, nothing has been decided so far. Uh, I believe the 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 folks who are making Axanar um, are kind of fighting back, if you will, but I'm not sure how much you can fight uh, A, a big company like CBS, and B, someone who clearly owns the rights to the intellectual property of what you're trying to create. And I know that the, um, the XNR folks are trying to take the fan film approach in the regard of saying well we're not doing this to make any money. You know we're we're paying our actors and we're just paying production costs but there's no company there to to make money from. And That's obviously a, a little bit of a gray area because if you go on Kickstarter and get funded for a million dollars it sure feels like you're making money. And then of course you're turning around and giving that money to people to make your experience better, but where does that lie in terms of for-profit versus not-for-profit and things like that? So, um, I don't have the answers. I'm not a lawyer type guy, so I don't know for sure, but we will definitely keep our eye on that situation as it develops. But for now, the good news is that uh, regardless of what happens with the fan stuff, this is a good year to look forward to if you are a Star Trek fan. We do have a brand new movie, Star Trek Beyond, will be coming out this summer. And like I said, this is in the rebooted universe, so it follows the the new adventures of the new characters of Captain Kirk and Spock and things like that. Uh, and it should be, from from all reports so far, it should be a movie that gets us back a little bit to the feeling of the classic series with the exploration the, uh, and uh, seeking out you know, new life forms and, and, and things like that. So, so that's coming our way soon. Uh, we're going to have also, uh, either this year or next, we will have a brand new Star Trek series on CBS that uh, should be fun to kind of watch that development as well. And we'll just kind of uh, stay attuned and see what their plans are for the franchise. I've got to think for the 50th anniversary celebration coming up here in August... At the convention in Las Vegas, they'll have a few big announcements for us and some fun stuff for us to do. So, all right, uh, Star Trek fans, I want to hear you sound off and let me know uh, what we didn't talk about that you think is intriguing to the series and to the franchise. Um, what we got right, what we got wrong, things like that. So, come find us, uh, find us over on Facebook at facebook.com/popcultish. Come give us a tweet. You can find us on Twitter at popcultish and you can always find us online at popcultish.com thank you so much for listening and we'll be back to catch you again with another thrilling episode next week but until we catch you again this is Tony reminding you to be passionate, be proud be popcultish